Hey, 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 how's it going out there, my mushroom lovers? Oliver Carlin here, and I'm the Mushroom Man. Today, I want to talk to you about how to grow mushrooms at home, whether you're a beginner or advanced grower. So the big question is this. With over 10,000 different species of mushrooms, how do people that want to benefit from their various medicinal properties accurately identify them in the wild, grow them at home, or make them taste delicious without having to read confusing medical reports and possibly eating a poisonous look-alike by mistake? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Oliver Carlin, and welcome to Curative Mushroom. All right, so the other day, right, my wife was, she was out in the garden, and, well, I, she had received these seeds in the mail, right, from, um, from, like, Burma, from her home country, and she had planted them in our little garden that we have in the backyard, right, and she did this, like, three months ago, and she, she planted them, she'd been watering them every day, and finally they started to sprout up, like, an inch out of the ground, and she was so excited. And then the, guess what happened? <laughs> My dog went in the backyard when she let him in the backyard and he dug up all of her plants. Oh my gosh. I've never seen her so mad. Like she, this was the first time like she wasn't yelling at the dog. <laughs> but anyway, my, um, you know, but this got me thinking, right? So like, you know, she grows these, these vegetables in our yard because she wants to have fresh vegetables that she can eat at home. And, and these vegetables that she had gotten the seeds from, she couldn't even get these vegetables locally because they didn't even sell them at the Asian grocery store. So it was really interesting, you know, you know what we use vegetables for. And, and you know, even if you, you can, even if you wanted to, you could grow vegetables to sell them at the farmer's market or you could sell them at the grocery store. But one thing, you know, with when it comes to mushrooms, you know, I've seen mushrooms growing on the forest floor. I've seen them growing in my backyard, not because I planted them, but just because they popped up. Even in her garden bed, we've seen some ink caps the other day popping up. And, but, you know, one thing that's interesting about mushrooms is no one ever sends you seeds to grow mushrooms. So it, it was, it's kind of a different a different type of uh, thing to grow, right? Vegetables, for some reason, we all understand vegetables, but when it comes to growing mushrooms, it's kind of like this confusing thing that you know we don't seem to really get. Um, we know they grow, but you know, getting them to grow, it just doesn't seem to be as simple. And you know, there's a lot of mushrooms that you can't get. I mean, a lot of mushrooms that are, there's a lot of mushrooms that are choice edible mushrooms that are cost a lot of money in the restaurants, way more than vegetables. And mushrooms, if you've listened to my other podcast, you know about some of the amazing medicinal health benefits to to mushrooms. I mean, we're talking from killing cancer, high in oxid antioxidants, helping with brain disease, neuron health, improving blood flow, sexual um, function, libido, athletic performance depression, anxiety, cognitive function, actually making you smarter. 
And some of them just have allow you to have an overall change in your life. So there's so many reasons really to want to have mushrooms. But why doesn't anyone really, why aren't they selling seeds in the stores? Why can't I just go to, um, you know, Home Depot next to my roses and my tulip seeds? Why don't I see my reishi mushroom seeds and my, um, my chaga seeds, my cordyceps seeds? You know, what's going on? What, what is this big problem? Why is mushrooms like this secretive organization that only certain people in the know are growing mushrooms successfully and have, uh, having all these things. So that was what I wanted to figure out, right? So I, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to figure, I'm going to go into this thing. I'm going to figure it out. Started reading all kinds of articles. Found out that there's a ton of information on growing mushrooms. There's a lot of books. Um, ended up getting all the books, all the courses. Went through some courses that people had made for growing mushrooms at home or actually for profit and all these other things. And you know, it, it really it was it took me a few weeks really just digging into this and just I actually I, I, I got into it really well and I enjoyed it. And I started really learning a lot of cool stuff about mushrooms that I never knew. Now, there was some challenges, right, because um, there are many different types of mushrooms that can grow. And it seemed like they all require different things to be able to grow. And not only that, some mushrooms can't even be cultivated at home, so it depends on which ones you go. And if you want to grow them in your yard, in a garden bed, then you'd have to be careful because some mushrooms have poisonous lookalikes. So is it really the mushroom you planted, or did another mushroom sneak its way in there? Um, it can, you know, it can also, if you're going to grow it in your house, and depending on the scale that you want to go, I mean, heck, if you want to be profitable, it can cost a lot of money to recreate the environments that these things need to grow in. And then you got to deal with contamination, being sterile. And then what's with all the substrates? I mean, they got tons of different substrates that you can choose from. Which one do I choose? And so <laughs> anyway, there was all these things, right? But the cool thing is, after I really went through all the courses, sat down, and, and been through all this information, it finally just started coming together, right? Finally started to just get that, you know, that aha moment where you're like, oh, that's what all this is about. You know, it seems like a lot of the times it seems like things seem more complicated than they really are, you know? Now, when it comes to growing mushrooms, let me just tell you firstly how simple it can really be, okay? For example, if you wanted to just grow some oyster mushrooms at home, oyster mushrooms, by the way, are one of the easiest mushrooms to grow. And the one of the really the most commonly cultivated mushrooms in other than but, second to button mushrooms in like the world. So oyster mushrooms are a great starter mushroom. And there's so many different strains of the oyster mushroom. I mean, there's like, really, there's like seven or eight popular strains that people do. I have articles and podcasts on those as well. But, um, but it, let's just say you wanted to grow an oyster mushroom at home. So let's say you had an oyster mushroom. You bought it from the grocery store. You were eating them. And you had some spent coffee grounds from the coffee you drank that morning. So now all you got to do is basically take those coffee grounds, put them into a little bowl, and then take a little tiny piece. I would cut like a middle piece of, right, of the oyster mushroom and just put a little piece into your coffee grounds and then really just cover it up, put it in the cabinet, and wait a couple weeks, and that whole thing will be covered in white mycelium within a couple weeks. Take it out, open it up, expose it to fresh air and light, 
and within a week or so, it would start fruiting oyster mushrooms. How, how easy is that, right? All you really did was you basically just took a piece of another mushroom, stuck it into some coffee grounds, put it in a dark place for a couple of weeks, and then exposed it to fresh air and light, and it grew. Now, here, here's what you got to understand about mushrooms. You know, a lot of this stuff makes more sense when you understand where mushrooms typically grow. Most mushrooms that you're going to cultivate at home, most of them, like, for example, the oyster mushroom, they grow in dead or dying hardwood trees, okay? So a lot of the times what mushrooms will do, they'll, if a tree is getting ready to die in the forest, then the mushroom mycelium will infect that tree, and eventually the tree will fall down, right? And when that tree falls down, it'll break open, and the mycelium will be exposed to fresh air or whatever, and it'll have... And then it'll um, it'll order crack and all these an air will get in whatever and then it'll start to fruit right and that's that's kind of the natural process of mushrooms now most other mushrooms they also grow from the from the um, the floor and what you're gonna find is most mushrooms they all eat the same stuff right they all eat lignin cellulose and hemicellulose this is all found in the cell walls of plants and trees and some of them eat more of different elements of those but in general that's what they all they feed on to grow okay so that's their natural environment their natural environment and you got another thing you got to understand about mushrooms too is they're 90 percent water <laughs> right 90 percent so in order for a mushroom to not dry out and be able to actually grow it needs to be in a very humid environment okay it can't be a dry environment otherwise the mushroom will just dry out and it won't be able to grow so that's the natural typical habitat. And they typically like temperatures, you know, between, um, you know, like 68 and 75 degrees for your warmer strains. And then your colder strains are about 50 degrees to 68 degrees. And so those are the temperatures that they're going to fruit in. And in general, that's the main environment, right? So the main understand this understand this so the main life cycle if you understand the life cycle of a mushroom right so spores they all release thousands and thousands and thousands of spores before they die right so they'll fruit their gills will expose as they mature and then they drop their spores and then they die that's what a mushroom does now these spores right so a spore will actually mate with another spore then they create what's called a hyphae and then these hyphaes form with another hyphae and then that's when they create this big mycelium white bed right and this mycelium bed can grow you know huge huge i mean the largest mycelium bed found in oregon is like six or eight square miles it's huge right but the point is the mycelium is the mushroom it's just a further along in the stage of life than the spores okay so for mushrooms to grow, they can either grow from spores or they can grow from a mycelium. So when you see a fruiting body of the mushroom, all that is is the mycelium. That's all a mushroom is is mycelium formed together to look like a fruiting body. So that's why you can cut a piece of that mushroom like we did with the oyster mushroom, put it into the coffee grounds, and it'll grow because it's mycelium. And mycelium is what actually is going to grow. 
Um, you can also put spores, right? And spores will create mycelium and grow. So that's the mushroom life cycle, basically, right? Spores, hyphae, um, mycelium. Then it starts to pin and you have a fruiting body. So that's the basic life cycle. It needs to be humid. It's got to be dark, right? Why is it got to be dark? Well, when mycelium and spores, when spores go into the ground or into the tree, it's dark. That's their natural environment that they grow in. So it'll be dark for a couple weeks for the mycelium to expand out. And then once it's exposed to light and fresh air, then it fruits. And they tend to fruit at different times of year. Why? Because that's when the temperature changes, right? <laughs> different strains grow at different times of year. Okay, so that's basically the overall idea. Now, when it comes to growing mushrooms at home, right? What I ended up finding out, well, as I went through all this information, I kind of broke it down into like seven stages. So if you were going to start growing mushrooms at home, I feel like if you break them down into different stages, it makes it easier to understand. So the first stage I came up with was choosing your mushroom source. You know, what would be your mushroom source? I just talked about it. So are you going to choose spores or are you going to choose mycelium? Those are basically your source. Now, I'm going to be creating a separate podcast on those two. So I'm not going to go into great detail on that. But you have an understanding, right, of what those two are. The second stage is going to be choosing a substrate. So the substrate. Now, this part is what was really confusing me a lot as I went through a lot of this information because there's so many different substrates, right? To give you an example, the 13 most popular substrates, we've got supplemented hardwood sawdust, Psilocyphonaticus technique, also known as PF tech, straw, coffee grounds, rye grain, manure, master's mix, logs, straw with coffee grounds, straw with coffee grounds and sawdust, cocoa coir with vermiculite, cardboard, popcorn grain. <laughs> It's like, what in the world is going on with all these substrates? If I, you know, if I mimic their natural environment, we're talking about dead or drying hardwood trees. What is all this other stuff? <laughs> you know, so, but what I did is I went through each and every one of these substrates, right? Individually and figured out which mushrooms grow with which types of substrates and uh, so on and so forth. So I'm gonna be doing a whole separate podcast on the different types of substrates. So I won't go into the, de the detail here, but what I want you to understand about substrates is basically it's your choice of lignin cellulose and hemicellulose that you want your mycelium to, to grow in. Um, a, a thing that, um, a, a thing that, um, well, here, let me go into stage three and, and then, but just understand substrates is what you're going, your mycelium is going to grow in. Okay. Then we got stage three, which is your substrates micro environment. Now I, I decided to call it the micro environment, right? Because what we want to create is that humid, dark environment, right? For the mushroom mycelium to grow. But then we also need a micro environment for fruiting the mushroom, right? So let, let, me sh let me show you this now. So one of the most popular ones that you can have um, for a micro environment would just be a sealed plastic bag. They sell uh, mushroom unicorn bags or that you can just use a simple Ziploc bag, like one of those gallon one freezer bags. Um, if you do get like a Ziploc bag, though, you know, poke some holes in it. And they've got this tape. It's called micropore membrane tape. 
that you can put over the holes. Now, since I'm talking about micropore membrane tape, let me get into something that um, when it comes to the mushroom world, you're going to hear a lot of, and that's sterilization, right? So sterilization is really the only reason you have to worry about sterilization is because when we create these microenvironments, you're creating an environment that other fungi want to grow in as well as the mycelium that you want to grow. So you're thinking, well, I didn't put any other fungi in there. Why do I got to worry about it? Well, the problem is, remember, mushrooms create tens of thousands of spores into the air. And all of us are walking around with spores on us all the time. As crazy as that may seem, fungi is all around you. You're exposed to breathing spores. Spores are all over you all the time. So when you, when you have your substrate, the odds are there's already some other type of spore in that substrate unless you've sterilized it and killed all the other fungi. So that's, that's one of the big reasons why sterilization is stressed so much because you see, when you just introduce your mycelium to the new substrate, until it colonizes that entire substrate and turns it white, it can, it can run into almost like a battle, like a war zone. If it runs into another fungi that's trying to grow, believe it or not, these two fungi, they're going to battle it out. Like there's going to be a war going on to see who's going to colonize that substrate. And you'll know when there's a war because you'll see this brown liquid forming. And you also, if you see a different color mold growing, like a green or a red, then you know that it's definitely might be losing the battle. And typically, if you didn't do any sterilization at all, and you just tried to grow your mycelium without sterilization, you'd be looking at upwards of 50% or higher contamination rate with um, whatever you're trying to grow, which basically means... You could wait one to two weeks, spend the money on the substrate and the spores and whatever, and it's all for nothing, right? So a lot of people like to limit that and reduce their risk of sterilization down to like zero to five percent. And and you can do that through different various sterilization techniques. And I'm creating a whole separate podcast on just that one topic alone because there's a lot to it. So stay tuned for that. But just know that's why I'm talking about using this micropore membrane tape to cover the whole of a Ziploc bag because we want filtered air in there. We don't want any spores slipping in, right, <laughs> to contaminate our substrate. But once, once the mycelium colonizes that whole substrate and it's all white, then we don't care anymore because that mycelium can fight off anything on its own. Mycelium is super strong. But when it's still trying to colonize a substrate, it might lose, right? So anyway. So that's one of the most popular ones, a sealed uh, plastic bag. Another one is like you can use column bags, also known as lay flat tubing. They're used in like those air conditioning duct systems. They're these big circular um, bags. And they come in this roll where you can just cut each tube to like three feet long. You would normally get like a 250 gauge, which is 2.5 millimeters approximately. Um, that'd be 250 millimeters wide or 10 inches wide. But once it's filled in, it'll only be about six inches wide once you fill it with your substrate. And you could tie off both ends with the zip ties. And these, this is a cheaper option than trying to buy the mushroom bags that are um, already have a filter patch and all these things on them. And um, 
but yeah, that that's one option. Another option is a mono tub. Mono tubs are good for um, your your substrate, your mushrooms that like to grow from the ground instead of growing from a tree, right? If you, the lay flat tubing kind of mimics like a tree, right? Circular stuff like that. But a mono tub is kind of just a clear tote, and you poke these holes in the lids and the sides for air to get in. And you would cover those with either some polyfill stuffing or some micropore membrane tape. Again, so the spore, other spores can't get in or even insects too, you know. And because <clears throat> another problem you can have when you're growing mushrooms is flies. Flies love mushrooms. And what they do is these little flies, if they, one of them gets in, they, you know, they uh, reproduce so fast. One fly can turn into 10 to 20, 100 flies really quick. And they go into the mushrooms and they plant their little larvae in there, which is your little maggots. And they eat away at the mushrooms and they can just destroy your harvest. Which is why a lot of people don't like to grow outdoors because it's really hard to control the flies. But um, anyway, with the monotub, cover the holes up. Then you put your substrate into the bottom of the tub. Like if you're growing magic mushrooms or button mushrooms, they like manure. You put the manure substrate at the bottom and um and that would be it another rock and cover the covered it up with the lid on the top and it's a clear tote and you and you can put it in a dark environment and then when it's time to fruit it just expose it to light so it's it's kind of a dual environment it can be the it can be used in the phase of of the mycelium growth and the fruiting body growth Another option is to deck it out with like a reptifogger, which is what people use in their reptile tanks to create humid environments for their reptiles. And it just basically, it's a humidifier and it shoots a lot of uh, humidity into the tank with a hose. And you can use that. Also, you can mount like a computer fan that's hooked to a cycle timer so that like it, the fan will blow out old air every minute for 10 minutes or whatever you want it to do or 10 times a minute or it comes on one minute every 10 minutes. I mean, however you want to set up the cycle timer to go. But basically the point is you get high levels of carbon dioxide. Now, now here's another thing we didn't talk about with fungi is fungi mushrooms. They, they breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon monoxide, just like human beings do. So if they have too much carbon monoxide, they can't grow. They need oxygen to grow. So that's why we would turn on the fan, especially during the fruiting stage, to constantly be blowing out the old air so new air can come in, right? So that's a big thing to do. Um, another option is you can, oh, and I have videos. Um, all these, anything I'm talking about here to create stuff, I have videos, how-to videos on an article on my website at curativemushrooms.com. So if you click the link in the description of the podcast, it should take you to my um my article where you can see these different things um another option is unsealed plastic bag so you could create what's called like a humidity dome just poke some holes into uh small holes into a like a plastic bag that kind of stiff one that stands up a little bit and just drape it over like your your bowl with the substrate in it and put the bowl into a plate with some water and then just cover that up and it'll create this humid environment that way uh, another option is to use jars. People will use jars. And what they do is they'll drill a hole in the lid. or And you could cover the hole, again, with polystuffing or membrane tape. Or they have these special filter discs 
that you can put in between the lid and the jar to screw on and it'll actually filter it that way as well. And so that's another option. Now, another option is anything you want. I mean, I'm giving you ideas of what people have done, but there's really no right or wrong answer. If you come up with a way to create this, all you're trying to do is create a humid environment. And heck, you don't need a fan. If you just want to blow air in there, just take the lid off, blow some fresh air, and then cover it back up. And if you, you don't have a rectifier, go in there and spray it with, um, spray, spray with water every couple of hours to just get water in there. I mean, there's no right or wrong. Just understand what you're doing. You're trying to recreate this humid environment. That's what the point of it is. Now, stage four is to inoculate your mushroom substrate. So now this, th this is basically how this works, okay? Inoculation is where you introduce your, your spores your my, or your mycelium into the substrate to start growing and colonizing. Now you can do this with a rye grain is typically the most common if you're going to inject. You can, here's the thing, you can inject liquid cultures, you can inject spores, um, those are, or you could just pour in liquid culture into the substrate, or you can clone mushrooms like we said before by putting a piece of the mushroom into the substrate. But typically your rye grain is used to create what's called mushroom spawn, right? Your mushroom spawn. Mushroom spawn is basically each one of these little pieces of rye grain get covered in mycelium and they can be later used into a bulk substrate. Now, this is the most common method, right? You inoculate a small substrate, get it fully colonized with mycelium, then you take that, that small block of rye grain, you break it up, and then you inoculate it into a bigger bulk substrate. And you kind of just keep doing this. It's a, they normally use a 10% spawn to the amount of substrate. So if you wanted to um, grow a garden bed, you'd break up into the whole garden bed. Then if you wanted to grow a bigger one, you would get more substrate, break it up even more. If you wanted to grow a bigger one, you grow even more substrate, break it up even more. It's, it's based on the size that you want to break it up to. That's kind of how um, they do it because mycelium, again, is further along in the process and is stronger and um, it re reduces your chances of contamination to do it that way. And you can expose it over a larger area. So that's typically the way that um, growing it is done through, um, through that process. Now, it doesn't mean you couldn't just inoculate your bulk substrate just with your mycelium or your spores. You could. But just understand that there's, um, you know, you're higher risk of contamination if, uh, and it's going to take longer to um, cover the whole substrate. So that's why people do it that way. Another option is if you're going to fill up like a lay flat tubing or something to replicate a tree, most of the time they'll do the layered effect. So they'll put some substrate, layer in some spawns, substrate, spawn, substrate, spawn, substrate, strong, filling up the bag like that. And the whole point is just so it'll um, colonize that whole substrate, substrate faster. And the faster you colonize it, the less chance of contamination. And it's just you're going to have quicker yields and everything else. So that's that stage. Incubation, stage five is incubation. This is the point where basically you just put it in a warm, dark place, like we said with the cabinet, typically between 68 to 75 degrees. 
and you just wait for a couple weeks. It's okay if the CO2 levels are a little high here because we only need oxygen for fruiting. But um, so high CO2 levels here is fine. We're not worried about it too much. But you do want to get some oxygen. So if you have it covered, just wave the lid, you know, a couple times a day, get some air in there. Um, and this can take anywhere from two weeks to a year, a year if you're inoculating an actual log. And, you know, I, um, I get into um, more on the, the spores and the cultures and growing and how to do all that in another podcast I'm going to be doing as well, as well as logs and everything else. So um, another stage six is going to be harv uh, mushroom fruiting. So at this stage, we take our fully colonized substrate and we move it into a different environment, right? So this is where we want to expose it to light, like we said, typically 12 hours on, 12 hours off, just like the rising of the sun. Then you got humidity. Typically, it's recommended between 80 to 95% relative humidity. That's just, uh, it's very, very humid. It's almost 100% humidity. And that's just what they, you can use a hygrometer to measure that. Carbon, carbon dioxide. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you too, how to, how to make it more human, but, um, carbon dioxide, CO2 levels, if you want to get technical, um, lower than a thousand parts per million at this stage, probably lower than 900 would be better. But, um, basically you just want to mulch it out, uh, flush it out multiple times an hour if you're in a sealed environment and then temperature for your cold weather strains, like we said, 50 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit, warmer strain, 64 to 78. You can use cycle timers to plug fans and stuff into, like we said. And this stage will typically take between one to two weeks before you start getting your mushrooms to fruit. And then your last stage will be harvesting. This is when you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Um, at this point, you'll want to cut the mushroom once it's developed to the stage you want to uh, as close to the substrate with a knife as you can. Don't pull it because you could damage the block. And you Normally, out of a block, you can get one to three flushes out of it. A flush is um, another growth of mushrooms, so don't damage your block by pulling them out. Um, some mushrooms, like the oysters, you can just leave the block there. It'll start fruiting some more um, on its own. Other blocks, like um, the maitake um, or the shiitake, would um, require an actual rest period. So like one to two weeks, um, you let them rest for one to two weeks. Then soak them in water for 12 to 18 hours um, before they'll start fruiting again. And you can give them a slap as well, like a tree falling. Some people like to do that. And uh, that's pretty much the stages of the mushroom growing process. Now, I am. Um, there's other simpler options, like you could just order pre-gun grow kits. Grow kits are basically just blocks of um, a substrate that already fully colonized with the mycelium sent to your house ready to fruit. All you do is slice them open with a knife, the bag that they're in, spray them with water a few times a day, and let them go. Another option, to, to uh, which a lot of people like to do, is they'll take it the, the grow kit block out of the bag and put it into what's called a shotgun fruiting chamber. And this is just basically a, a clear tote where you, you drill holes in the side for air to get in, and you fill the bottom with perlite. Perlite, and then you soak it with water. And perlite is just basically, it's almost this, this type of um, 
textury stuff that just holds a lot of water and you cover it up and it creates a really humid environment with perlite. And so you can, you can put your block on top of the perlite and cover it and that'll help with the humidity as well. So a lot of people will choose to do it that way. Um, and I have um, some examples on my, on the article I, I referred to previously. Now that's pretty much, that's pretty much uh, the, the main stuff there. Now, when it comes to growing mushroom indoors, um, this, I found that the certain types of mushroom you can grow indoors, you can go reishi mushroom, lion mane, cordyceps, shiitake, oyster, psilocybe cabensis, portobello button, cremeni mushrooms, turkey tail, enoki, maitake. Those are the top 10 that you're going to be able to cultivate indoors. Uh, mushrooms you can grow on logs would be the reishi, lion's mane, shiitake, oyster, turkey tail, enoki, and mitake. A lot of them are the same, but um, but the point is some a lot of them you can grow on trees or in your house. It's up to you. But trees, keep in mind, it can take a year to two years to fruit on a tree. So it would take a little longer if you inoculate an actual log, an actual log outside. Um now I'm going to be going into, I'm going to have other podcasts on all these different mushrooms as well as um, how to grow mushrooms outdoors in a garden bed. Also, I'm going to have article on, um, I'm going to have a podcast on growing mushrooms for profit in case you want to go large scale. This can be as much as using a hydroponics tent in your house all the way up to creating a full-blown facility with a utility space, incubation room, fruiting room. And the whole process, just like that. I um, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it when it comes to uh, when it comes to growing mushrooms. We covered uh, we covered a lot. This this one of my longer podcasts. I just looked at the time. I've been going for quite a while here. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the process. Um, the biggest thing to understand is. You know, being sterile to prevent contamination, picking the right mushroom substrate that you needed to grow it on, inoculate your substrate in a warm, dark place until it's fully colonized. When it's time to fruit, exposure to fresh air and light and humidity, and it'll grow, and then enjoy your harvest. That's pretty much it. Uh, so now, <clears throat> now basically you have an understanding of how to grow mushrooms at home. And you, you also have a deeper understanding now of what the mushroom's actually doing to grow, why you're creating the human environment, why you're creating a dark place, why you're doing all these things, why you're being sterile. And understand that you can throw all the rules out the window and the mushroom might still grow. These are just best practices, okay, that you can do. Um, but again, for more details, check out the link in the description of this article where I've got how-to videos as well as uh, links to different things to get examples of the stuff I've been talking about here as well as pictures and stuff like that Other than that, that's all I have. I just want to thank you for bearing with me on this one, man This was a long one and um, Other than that if you thought this was valuable, please share it and let me know. All right Take care and stay tuned for more great podcasts coming out. All righty. Talk to you later. Bye Curative Mushrooms has to post the standard FDA disclaimer. The statements made regarding medicinal mushrooms 
have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. Creative Mushrooms is not making claims intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before consuming medicinal mushrooms. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice. Thank you.